One of my goals with the Secret Podcast is to make the supernatural more natural and the paranormal more normal. These are events and occurrences that happen as a part of our natural and normal everyday lives. We've just been conditioned to ignore them and deny their existence. Well, it's time to undo that conditioning. I'm proud to announce that Ray Davis and I of Sixth Sense Media have created our own Sixth Sense Media clothing line. We can't always go up to somebody and say, hey, what do you think about disclosure and UFOs and aliens on the earth? But you can wear one of our Disclosure Now t-shirts and get people's attention. Start the conversation or connect with another like-minded person who sees your shirt. If you're a truth seeker or someone looking to enact positive change in the world, why not wear it with pride? Connect with other like-minded truth seekers and become the change you want to be and see in this world. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store tab, and become the change you were born to inspire. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store. Welcome to Truth Seekers. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media. It's the show that challenges reality, questions that which you've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural, although this stuff is becoming nor- more normal and more natural, yet this world seems to be getting weirder and weirder. The more revelations we uncover, the more things we find out about ourselves, the more questions we tend to have, and that's where I find myself lately. That's why uh, I've been off and on with this show, because I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of reflecting over the past two months. As truth seekers, as those of us in search of knowledge, sometimes we just reach a point where we need to step back and process things. And again, I offer my deepest apologies to my regular listeners each week. I know I have a good routine going, having this show come out every Saturday, the newsletter every Sunday, and I've been slacking. And uh, I know I've apologized the last couple shows, but um, I again want to extend my apologies. I am not going away. Uh, I'm just... I'm reorganizing and restructuring my thoughts and getting uh, <laughs> getting my bearings again, but I want to keep the show alive um, to my guests, to my friends, um, to those of you that I've been working with. I know I've gone quiet on everybody. Um, don't worry, I, I, I'm not gone. I hope that we get, get in touch over the next week or two and start putting some stuff together, start bringing some guests back on the show. Um, and to my listeners, thank you for your patience. I have a uh, an interesting show tonight. We're going to talk some UFOs, how the Navy is restructuring how they go about identifying UFOs. It seems like Tom DeLong and his cohorts at the To The Stars Academy are making some headway. I'm going to talk about that. I have a few articles I want to share. We've been tracking that story for a couple of years now. I'm very proud of, uh, of the analysis we've been doing with this show. So I'm going to get into that in a little bit. A couple quick commercials. Uh, our very own Ray Davis with Six Sense Media. Man, he's been a busy guy. He's been doing interviews like crazy. He was on Cat uh, Hobson's show on the 24th, just yesterday. Actually, it's, it's the 25th of April right now. I'm recording this. Um, talk, just a, always a fantastic discussion between Ray and Cat. I hope to have Cat on the show. And, of course, I want to have Ray back on the air as well. 
Um, but check that out. I'll have the links to that in the show notes. I highly recommend you watch it. And then Ray also did an interview with another friend of ours, Jimmy Pearson on Fascination Street. He did the Beginner's Guide to the Anunnaki. Um, Jimmy and his son have a great show that they do. Lots of great content coming out of them. Check out their YouTube channel uh, and subscribe. And Kat's got two shows as well. Check out what she has. I'll have the links to their stuff uh, in my show. Um, it's a great community that we're, you know, we've been, we've been, uh, communicating with them quite a bit over the past few months and, uh, their shows and their content and the guests that they bring. Uh, I want to start filtering more stuff through our channel once I kind of get my head on straight, but I want to give them uh, that nod. I will have the links to their content. If you're looking for other interesting content from credible truth seekers, I highly recommend that you check them out. And of course you can hear our very own Ray Davis. It's always a great time listening to what Ray has to say with his insights. Uh, some cryptocurrency news. Dick Allgaier did a, um, a, a brief thing on YouTube the other day, and I'm going to piggyback off of that. Um, he's covered a story. Let me see. I think I have, uh, where's my link to it here? Talking about Amazon. I was just, I swear I was just staring at it. Here it is. Okay. So he did a uh, some coverage some coverage looking at the new Amazon Go store. And on his, I'll have the video that Dick had up uh, as well. But this ties into stuff that I've been tracking on this show since before my, you know, crypto integration. And that's what's, what's got me about this is you, you guys have heard my discussions about AI and technology and how it's becoming a part of our everyday lives. And, I, you know, I, I think back to that scene. I think it was the second Matrix movie where Neo's talking with one of the elders, one of the, um, the, the older people on that group, the advisors. And uh, he brings him downstairs to the lower level and he shows them all the machines. And, he's, and the, the elder says to Neo, he says, do you see that machine? I have no idea how it works, but it has something to do with purifying our water and purifying our air. And, uh, you know, he says, so who's really in control? And Neo says, well, if we wanted to, we could turn those machines off. And the, and the elder looks at me and says, ah, that's it. You've got it. We can turn them off. Of course, if we turn them off, we won't have access to clean water and we won't have access to the air we need to breathe. So Neo looks at me and says, what do you, what's your point? The machines need us and we need them. And he says, no, nope, old men like me don't bother with points. And he just let it, left it where it was. But we got to pause there for a minute because we are getting to that point of a symbiotic relationship with our machines. And symbiotic is very, very different from parasitic. And parasitic is what scares me. Um, we may be at the sim. Some of us are at the symbiotic point right now. I can't do this show without technology. Am I in control of the computer? Yes, I can turn off the computer, but now I won't have a means to do my show. I won't have a means to communicate with anybody. And, and taking this to my, my day job, I won't have a means to do my job, period. Everything's done through my phone and through, through technology. So machines need us and we need them. I'm not advocating for machines here, but it's easy to sit here and say, hey, yeah, screw it. But we have become a society that is dependent of, uh, on our technology. And I, I guess, I don't even, maybe I have no point here. Maybe I'm an old man with no point here. I, I guess we just need to take a look at that. Because the reality is, can we unplug? Yes. Do we need that ability and that power to unplug? Yes. 
but are we going to be able to function in a society if we take a stand and say, I'm not going to use tech? And this is something that's been difficult for me. And as I'm trying to work through, you know, a lot of this comes back to my dad. My not, the technology had nothing to do with my dad dying, but my evolution of fighting this system, I'm not even fighting anything, of, of trying to understand the corruption behind this system. Uh, you know, I feel like I need to reject every single thing that comes our way that may be attached to this system that serves as another system of control or repression against us. But if we take a step back, at the end of the day, I don't think technology is going away. Unless we have some kind of massive, as Ben Davidson's talking about, some kind of massive solar storm that wipes us back into the dark ages. That's possible, but if that doesn't happen. Technology's here. We have a choice right now. How are we going to allow ourselves to integrate with that technology? And if we're already integrated with it, we are. Can we modify that? Can we set the terms of how we're going to let technology interact with our lives because it is having a direct effect there's a social engineering aspect that's going on through our technology there's a, a, a cognitive aspect that's messing with our consciousness it's it's changing us in so many ways and it may not all be bad but it may not all be in our best interests either so these are things that i think that we need to be extremely mindful of so Anyway, moving forward, Dick was talking about the Amazon Go store, and he plays the commercial, and what this commercial shows is you have your phone, and you check in at the store, and you you know, you know walk through it. It registers your phone because you have the app on your phone, which is probably tracking and listening to everything that you're doing, and you go in the store, and as you take items out and put them in your bag, it's automatically added to your shopping cart. You don't have to go to a checkout line. You don't have to go through a counter, and then you just walk through and walk out the doors, and it automatically deducts it. And there's a lot going on there. Um, you know, the, the AI and the algorithms that they're using are so advanced now, it can tell if you take something off the shelf and then it re-registers it if you put it back on the shelf and it'll take it out of your digital cart. What impact is this going to have on society when this gets here? Well, you're not going to need people to work the register anymore. We're, they're coming out now with robots that are acting as security in a lot of our local supermarkets now. Robots that are acting as um, stocking to, to stock the shelves as well. Um, and you have the automated checkouts, but those are going to go away with stores like this Amazon Go. So the future is coming here in a major way, and it's coming very quick. There's an X-Files episode, one of the newer X-Files episodes, where they're dealing with just this. And the AI rebels against Mulder and Scully for giving a bad tip and a bad review because they didn't like the food that they were served. But there's no people working behind it. There is a there is a race of intelligent machines that's coming on board. And you think this isn't happening soon. If you go to uh what's the website here? I'll have it linked in the show notes. It's it's Google Amazon Go and it'll bring it's like Amazon.com slash B question mark, whatever. I'll have the link in the show notes. But here we go. Let me read directly from it. Welcome to Amazon Go and the world's most advanced shopping technology. No lines, no checkout, just grab and go. It's got a commercial there. Get the app ahead of time to enter Amazon Go. You'll need the Amazon Go app download before you arrive. Apple Store, Google Play, and Amazon App Store. And then it's got Go Food or Good Food Fast. Delicious, ready to eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack options made by chefs and favorite local kitchens and bakeries. 
To find out what a specific store sells, tap the Discover tab in the Amazon Go app. So as of right now, they still have human chefs making it, but they're already working on uh, robot chefs. I've seen it. You, you, you can see it out there. It's, it's out there. So that's coming. Now, as if that's not scary enough saying this is coming. Okay, yeah, when's this coming, Dennis? All right. Our store is Chicago, Illinois. They have one, two, three. They have four stores right now already online. San Francisco, California, one, two, three stores online. Seattle, Washington, four stores. Okay. So it's already out in three different cities. It's coming. Now, the other point that, that Dick pointed out, again, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on what he said, and I will have the link to his video uh, as well. Um, he says, but how's this going to be paid for? The digital monetary system, the cryptocurrency change that's coming. And I said it last week, and I promise I'm not just trying to upsell this. I think it's important, and I think that it fits with what we've been exploring through this program in looking at the change that's happening, that we're witnessing, that we're a part of, how AI and technology are having this major impact on our lives. Now, I don't know if this change is going to be catastrophic and drastic, or if it's going to be this gradual integration. My hope is that it's a gradual integration, and we can all safely make that transition. I, But there is the possibility that either a crisis will happen, or the dollar will collapse, or there'll be some financial crisis where all of a sudden, banks are closed and we're stuck with this cryptocurrency that we know nothing about. That's what we don't want. Now, I've been doing a lot of thinking about things too, and I know this has been, this, I'm going to talk about fear, this has been my fear as I've been doing this show, that I'm putting things out that will be fearful, and then we're going to have a fear-based reaction and jump the gun and make that emotional reaction. I don't want that to happen. Um, what I do recommend is that you start getting smart on cryptocurrencies, and I'm not giving you financial advice, but you should at least understand it. Understand how, to, to, there's a couple videos out there, I'll see if I can get them out there to you. Um, on how to start investing, how to protect your money, how to get multiple levels of security in place so nobody can come in and uh, and hack your system and take your money. But it might not be a bad idea to put some money aside into cryptocurrencies so then if something bad happens, you have a safety net there. All right, I'm not going to give any more commercials on that. I promise I'm not trying to just push you guys to that. I really promise, but it, it fits. It fits with what I've been looking at, and I think it's important to share it. So we're going to move past that. Now, this is interesting. Staying on the technology piece here, uh, I went to CNN tonight just to see if there's any stories worth pulling down. And there's an ad here, and it says, uh, Shopping content by CNN Uncensored, and underneath it, I'm just going to read these headlines for these ads. Ancestry DNA kits at one of the lowest prices of the year. 23andMe's DNA kit is finally now on sale. Amazon is getting in on the sales for DNA Day. What the hell is DNA Day? Find out your ideal, di uh, your ideal diet with this DNA test. Comprehensive DNA Day sales going on now. Now here's an article. This came out July 26, 2018. I may have mentioned it. I think that I did. This is from tomsguide.com. Home DNA test provider 23andMe. Oh, let me read the heading first. The heading, your DNA for sale. 23andMe drug giant make $300 million deal. Home DNA test provider 23andMe will provide genetic information 
of its five uh, of its five million customers to pharmaceutical giant GlaxoSmithKline (GSK) for reported three hundred million dollar investment, alarming privacy advocates and and uh, bioethicists. Okay, so people that make the drugs, we are and we know the history that these pharmaceutical companies hold. They are going, they're buying access to this. Now you're seeing advertisements trying to bring more people in. Now I believe, I, can't, I couldn't find an article for it. See, if you can find an article, please send it my way. I believe Google has access to this somehow. Google or, or one of the major search engines, they're mining this for a variety of reasons. You need to ask yourself why. And at this point, I, and again, maybe I'm just resistant to change. This scares me. Gattaca scares me. And that's kind of where we're going. This AI, these AI are learning everything about us. And I think they're going to be able to learn more about us than we can possibly learn about ourselves right now. What are they going to find in our DNA? What are they searching for? Are they searching for the ability? I mean, frequencies, I'm, I'm just brainstorming here. Frequency, sound, vibration. You know, if we all have those different traits in there, can they turn on and off certain genes, certain diseases, certain abilities? Who who knows? Now, what if it's a simple frequency or a tone or a harmonic that they have to put out that's going to impact a certain percentage of the population based on the DNA code that you're carrying? When you start thinking of things like that, when you start thinking your DNA as a software program susceptible to frequencies and Wi-Fi signals that are out there, you really have to wonder. So that's a, a concerning piece for me. All right, let's jump into the bulk of what I wanted to talk to, uh, talk about on this week's show. I've seen it floating around Facebook. Um, there's a whole bunch of articles out there about it. The first one I'm going to share, uh, this comes to us from the WashingtonPost.com. How angry pilots got the Navy to stop dismissing UFO sightings. This is an interesting article. Again, if you've been tracking this story, we know in November 2017, we had the New York Times article. The New York Times article was an acknowledgement by, number one, the mainstream media that UFOs were real. They referenced Lou Elizondo and his uh, Aerial Space Threat Identification Program, um, the, the ATIP program, basically looking at UFOs, a Pentagon-sanctioned funded program that was investigating sightings and reports of UFOs. They released some video of UFOs uh, where pilots were, were watching them, the Tic Tac video, the Nimitz Tic Tac video. And, uh, you know, they acknowledged UFOs are real. This is Lou Elizondo, career intel guy, counter intel guy. UFOs are real and they're not ours. And he said that they're not connected to any known military in the world that he's aware of. So, again, could he be lying? Yes, he could be lying. But here's, again, and here's my concern. What are they not saying? And, and I've gone on rants about this. Nobody's publicly asked who's flying them. And I think that's odd that journalists across the board have not asked that question. I think that's a pretty obvious question as an investigator. Who's flying the craft? Where are they coming from? Not just are they a threat, are they not a threat? I think it's important to understand who's flying them, what do they want, why are they here? And the fact that nobody's asking that question in the mainstream leads me to believe that there's some script, some hand behind it. The question is, why? 
Why aren't we going down that road? Why aren't we interviewing uh, people who have reported abduction encounters with the pilots of these craft? Now, I did read a rumor somewhere, and it's been so crazy I didn't write it down, so I don't know where I heard it. I thought somebody mentioned they were going to start looking into that, but I haven't seen anything major about it. Oh, it was something. I got to find this article. You know what? Stand by one second. Okay. The advantage of doing a pre-recorded show, I, I got to do a little bit more extra research because something was triggered in my mind. This took me about 10 minutes to, 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 to find this. I know I read somewhere that the government was secretly looking at the blood work of people claiming alien abduction or alien encounters, if they are in fact aliens, whatever they are. Um, so I, I had to scroll through no matter what combination of search strings I put in to Google, I kept getting like the same 10 results on the first page. So I started scrolling through, you know, two and three pages to find something. And I came across an article, um, where's the title here? Top secret government investigation probed health effects of UFO encounters. And this is dated April 19th, 2019 from, uh, exo news, uh, exonews.org. Now, it's interesting. This just, just came out the other day. Oh, here we go. The original publication date of this looks like uh, April 8th, 2019 by Jasper Hamill. I think they're referencing the Metro. So I'm just going to read the headlines here. They have three bullet points I want to read. The list of titles of the 38 declassified documents generated under the Advanced Aerospace Threat and Identification Program, the ATIP, that were released last year show that investigators studied exotic technologies, including wormholes, anti-gravity, invisibility cloaking, warp drives, and high-energy laser weapons. Now, it's claimed that ATIP also explored the health consequences suffered by people who witnessed UFO incidents. Now, I reviewed that document on a show a couple months ago. I looked at all those different um, requests for information, files, studies, papers that were going into this program. So that's in there in the show notes somewhere in one of my shows. Um, here we go. The next bullet point. One of the studies was called, quote, field effects on biological tissues, end quote. Former head of the Ministry of Defense UFO investigation desk, Nick Pope, said that this is likely to be the paper which explored the health effects of close encounters. Pope also points to a statement made by ATIP scientist Dr. Hal Putoff, speaking of a Brazilian Air Force investigation that included, quote, a lot of medical injuries when people encountered these UFO craft at close range. Pope says that this is confirmation that the Pentagon's ATIP program looked not only at UFOs, but also at close encounters and alien abductions. Okay, so that's exactly what I've been saying. Why isn't anybody actually talking about this? You're seeing pieces of this in the paperwork, but that's not coming out. It would make sense that an investigator would want to explore this stuff, but Lou Elizondo, at least as far as I've found, I haven't heard him speak about it not saying they haven't done it, but they haven't talked about it. My question is why? Um, third bullet point, Pope goes on to say, I, can, I can't prove it, but from sources close to this, I'm almost certain that part of this work involved getting blood and DNA samples from close encounters witnesses, including at least one and maybe two witnesses to the UK's infamous Rendlesham Forest incident. I believe this was done in a way that disguised the fact that this was for a U.S. intelligence program with witnesses being told that they were participating in a scientific or academic study. Now, I did a little bit on the Rendlesham Forest incident. This is interesting. When one of these soldiers who put his hand on the craft that landed at Rendlesham Forest, what the heck did it say? He received a download of binary code. I, I did a show on this as well. Let me, let me find that. Um, the message is, is startling here. Hold on. 
All right, here we have it. I, I pulled this from StrangerDimensions.com, but you just look for Rendlesham Forest binary message. There's a Linda Moulton Hell piece about it, a lot of them. But basically, the story goes, um, and, and this article that I pulled is from is Rendlesham Forest incident, the time travels traveler's binary message. Uh, and it was December 26, 1980. Sergeant Jim Penniston and his team, they found this unidentified craft in the woods at Rendlesham Forest. And when... Um, Penniston put his hand on the craft. He got this crazy download and he was just seeing binary code um, every time he would go to sleep, every time he'd close his eyes. So eventually he wrote it all out and then it decides it was you're able to decipher it. He, he didn't know that it was binary, but somebody eventually figured it out. I'm not I'm not reading into this right now. I'm just jumping through what I think I remember here. Um, but it says here, here's what, what it came from it. Exploration of humanity, six 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 eighty one hundred. Then it has what looks like some kind of coordinate. Continuous for planetary advance. Question, question, question. Fourth coordinate, continue out. UQS, and then some letters, and then before. And it looks like a whole bunch of coordinates. Eyes of your eyes. Origin, and then coordinates. Origin year 8100. So, time, we, we talked about time travel. When I when I had Phil Corso Jr. on the show, he said when you start talking about time travel, that's when they start shutting you down. That's apparently something that's important. Um, the fact that it's binary code. Now we're talking about AI, AI impacting our consciousness. We're talking about time travel. We're talking about the Matrix. When we have Professor Theodore Gates out of uh, University of Maryland talking about we he's found error correcting binary code embedded in the equations used to explain string theory and his his words quote uh, it's very strange for me to believe realize that we may be living that the Matrix movie may be an actual representation of where we live today so there seems to be a connection between at least in this incident binary code. Uh, computer software, the matrix, and UFOs, and time travel. It's it. It's all like in there in my head. The pieces are there. I kind of got them fitting together. Of course, I don't think I know anything, but there's connections here. There's something that's tied into this reality is not what it seems. And when we start seeing these pieces fit together, uh, I think it's important. To note, how do I even get here? I was just talking about the the change, how they're going to start identifying these, and I just kind of ran with it. All right. Oh, any other piece here? Um, here's where I was really going with this. We talked about, I was talking about the government doing blood work on abductees. Now, I started this show. I did not make this connection until about five minutes ago when I was Putting, pulling these files from my show, it was just random. Hey, this sounds interesting. This sounds interesting. Maybe this is a connection, though, because we talked about 23andMe pulling your DNA, that DNA being mined by pharmaceutical companies, and I know there's a connection out there to Google or something, and now you've got the government studying blood work of people who were involved in alien abductions. What are they looking for? Are they searching for something connected to contact with who or whatever these are? This is this is wild. This is wild. 
All right, we need to keep exploring that. So if you have information on that, please get in touch. Send it my way. I think it's important. All right, let's get back to the original article. How angry pilots got the Navy to stop dismissing UFO sightings. Uh, a recent uptick in sightings of unidentified flying objects, or as the military calls them, unexplained aerial phenomenon, prompted the Navy to draft formal procedures for pilots to document encounters a corrective measure that former officials say is long overdue. Now, I don't think this is due to a recent uptick, honestly. I don't. Now, there's data out there from various web UFO websites. I don't think this is due to an update uptick. I think this is due to an agenda, and it's just time and the agenda to hit that. That's my two cents. As first reported by Politico, these intrusions have been happening on a regular basis since 2014. 2014? Let's go at least back to 1940. Let's go at least back to the time of Moses. Just saying. All right, recently unidentified aircraft have entered military designated airspace as often as multiple times per month. Joseph Gratisher, spokesman for the Office of the Deputy Chief of Naval Operations for Information Warfare, told the Washington Post on Wednesday. See, see what they're doing here is they're controlling the narrative. They're making the history of these craft from 2014. So somebody who's not used to this, but is a mainstream reader of things like the Washington Post and doesn't think beyond that, they're saying, wow, these things started showing up in 2014. Everybody else before that was just crazy in the work of science fiction, and what a coincidence. No, this goes back further. But we'll leave it there for now. Citing safety and uh, security concerns, Gratisher vowed to investigate each and every report. He said, we want to get to the bottom of this. We need to determine who's doing it, where it's coming from, and what their intent is. We need to try to find ways to prevent it from happening again. Well, there you have it, folks. I was waiting for somebody in official capacity to say it. This guy finally said it. That's the first I'm reading this. Gratisher is his name, if I'm saying his name correctly. So, who's doing it, where it's coming from, and what their intention is? Now, what does that mean for us? Space, war, false flag, I don't know, maybe. Um, that they're now starting to have that dialogue. Is this going to be ramped up? I'm not trying to spread fear. I'm actually trying to put this out there. So if you hear something like that, you can dial back the fear and be mentally prepared for this. I'm not saying go out and, and build your bunker. I'm saying be mentally prepared. You know, even me, somebody who's been studying this for a while and is expecting this announcement at some point in time, when I actually hear it, I'm still going to be in a state of shock. It, 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 so imagine somebody that's never experienced anything like this. Mentally prepare yourself. Uh, and let's go. Lou Elizondo, a former senior intelligence officer, told the Post that the new Navy guidelines formalized the reporting process, facilitating data-driven analysis while removing the stigma from talking about UFOs, calling it the single greatest decision the Navy has made in decades. Uh, let's see, Chris Mellon, a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence and staffer on the Senior Intelligence Committee, was less laudatory. Quote, I don't believe in safety through ignorance, he said, scolding the intelligence community for a lack of curiosity and courage and a failure to react to strong patterns, to a strong pattern of sightings. In some cases, pilots, many of whom are engineers and academy graduates, claim to observe small spherical objects flying in formation. Others say they've seen white tic-tac-shaped vehicles. Aside from drones, all engines rely on burning fuel to generate power, but these vehicles all had no air intake, no wind, and no exhaust. 
It's very mysterious, and they still seem to exceed our aircraft in speed, he said, calling it a truly, truly radical technology. According to Mellon, awestruck and baffled pilots concerned that reporting unidentified flying aircraft would adversely affect their careers tended not to speak up. And when they did, he said there was little interest in investigating their claims. Now, let's think about that. If that's true, if a pilot reports something like that and there's no interest in investigating their claims, why? Why wouldn't the government investigate that? Maybe they already know everything they need to know about it. And that's why they're not investigating. Because I can see maybe some back channel saying, hey, well, we're not going to investigate this. And then you go investigate it and don't tell anybody that. But pilots were discouraged from even reporting it. Now, if I'm an intel guy, if I'm a commander, if I'm a, a, a strategist, in the military, even if I don't want Pete to acknowledge that these things exist, I still want to know what the hell they are. So I'm going to have some means of gathering information. And one of those is going to be if my pilot sees something, I need to somehow know that. And then it'll go in the vault and we won't talk about it. But they're not even encouraging that. They don't care. So that makes me suspect that they're well aware of what these things are threat or not. And if they were a threat, I think they'd want to gather a little bit more information about them. Maybe it's us. Maybe it's another society on this planet. They don't have to. We make that jump automatically to alien. Doesn't have to be alien. I'm just going to say that. All right. Speaking of alien, uh, here we go. Another article from uh, from NavyTimes.com. It's called Aliens Ahoy! Navy Developing Guidelines on Reporting UFO Sightings. This is NavyTimes.com. This is an article that obviously many service members are going to look at, and now they're going to see this. And they have an image. It looks like the Nimitz uh, sighting here. It's a DOD video. It looks like it's UFO. It might be the Nimitz video um, as your screenshot. And it goes on addressing military personnel who are going to read this article. Now it's building credibility. Hey, it's safe to talk about this stuff now. This stuff is real. I'm doing my part. Here comes the Space Force. All right. Now, on that page, there's in the middle of it, there's an advertisement. Blink-182's Tom DeLong and former Pentagon officials get History Channel show to prove aliens exist. The series is set to air sometime in May. Do you see what's happening here? People are gradually being conditioned. Now, this is in militarytimes.com. They are targeting the military population here. Okay, forgive me my. Okay, they're targeting the military population here. So, Blink-182's Tom DeLonge and former Pentagon officials get History Channel show to prove aliens exist. This is from March 21st. Co-founder and former Blink-182 guitarist Tom DeLonge is back in the news for reasons once more pertaining to extraterrestrials. DeLong, who founded To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, the means to prove the existence of alien life, will be teaming up with a number of former Pentagon officials for a six-part documentary series called Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation. Trademark symbol is reportedly part of the title. The show, set to premiere sometime in May, will air on the History Channel because the, external, uh, the eternally memed electrocution hairstyle guy from Ancient Aliens 
wasn't generating enough history for the network to begin with. There's a meme of Giorgio. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it was aliens. The show, uh, executively produced by DeLonge, brings together a number of subject matter experts to expose a series of startling encounters and embark on fascinating new investigations that will urge the public to ask questions, look for answers, and look for answers. A press release said DeLonge's team includes a former military intelligence official, Lou Elizondo, who will be speaking out for the first time following his claims of having spearheaded the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, the Department of the Pentagon lasting from 2007 to 2012, that was dedicated to investigating reports of UFO encounters. Okay, this is a warning order here. This is telling you, hey, we're going to start releasing information through the History Channel. Now, when Ancient Aliens first came out, I was um, I loved it. I was I was hooked. I watched it every Friday night and I felt like felt like I was doing something I shouldn't be doing when I'd watch that show. I was like I was getting secret esoteric knowledge and it sucked me in. And it opened me up to different possibilities and then one day my brain clicked in and it said, "Why are they releasing this now? Why is this okay to watch right now on a channel like the History Channel?" I could see if it was Bill Cooper broadcasting from his you know, uh, his home out in the woods somewhere telling you about this stuff. But this is the History Channel. They want you to know why. Why do they want us to know? Why is this information coming out? This information is coming out in drips and drabs through various people claiming to have access to insiders at various levels. David Wilcock has his piece. Dr. Stephen Greer has his piece. Tom DeLong has his piece. Everybody seems to be working with an insider and releasing information. I, I heard somebody, it was a while ago on a podcast, saying all these, quote, insiders are coming forward now that they're getting orders to start releasing this information. I think a lot of the stuff out there, there's, there's a lot of information out there that's crap, but I think there's also truth. And ultimately, what do they want people to understand now? That we're not alone. Now, I'm sure there's deception in there, some way, shape, or form. But this information is coming out. What impact is that going to have on society? How is that going to direct your actions of the future? I don't have that answer yet, but that's that's what I think is coming. More information to be revealed about all of this. It's fascinating. It, it's, exci- it's exciting, but proceed with caution. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Proceed with caution. But I'm, I'm excited to see where this is going because, you know, and, and I look at DeLong, and I've been very critical of him, um, again, for what he's not saying. And I'm trying something different right now. I'm putting myself in his shoes. Because DeLong, I think, has been a truth seeker his whole life. And I think he's in over his head right now. Just because he was successful and has all this money, has all this influence, I think with the players he's dealing with, he's in over his head. So he was, I know nothing about this, but he was probably faced with, hey dude, I'm a connected guy. Here's who we are. And that's intimidating in and of itself. And we're going to give you some information. And we're going to tell you what to do with it. Would you turn it down? Think about that for a minute. If you had Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, and they say, hey, we like the research you're doing. You're on to something. We could work with you because you have influence. We're going to give you some knowledge. What are you going to do? 
what would you do? Would you take that knowledge? Or would you say, nope, I, I don't want your information. So, I don't know where I'm going with that, but just watch this closely. Because more, more is going to come out with this. And uh, I don't know how they're going to use it yet. Love to hear your thoughts on it, my friends. I'm out of time. Let me tell you something, though. I'm so glad I sat down to do the show tonight. I, I, I miss I miss the consistency. So I'm, I'm working on it. I hope to be back on the air next week um, and, and to keep that going. And I'm going to start getting some guests back on there. So if you're interested in being on the show, please get in touch. Uh, bug me, please. Let, let's keep this going. Uh, like I said, things have been crazy, but what we're doing here is, is important. And it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm enjoying it. So uh, my best to all of you. Um, it, it's been uh, it's been a great show, great talking with you, and uh, I'll have this, I'll have all the links in the show notes at sixcentsmedia.net. Ray has some great stuff coming out. Uh, check out his affirmations. He's also I don't want to steal his thunder, but he's working on some good stuff. So please continue to check back with Six Sense Media. Check out Cat Hobson and Jimmy Pearson's content as well. I'll have the links to their stuff if you're looking for more things to explore. And of course, check out what we're doing with crypto viewing. Lots of interesting things coming out there as well. Um, whew, just an exciting time. An exciting time, my friends. Let's keep gathering that information and sharing what we're finding. I'm out of time. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. Thank you. Yeah.